This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, July 19th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle, joined by Steve Hellwagon here in Chicago, Illinois, where Big Ten Media Days began yesterday. All of Ohio State's obligations were held yesterday, other than you know, Ryan Day at the Big Ten luncheon later today. But, Steve, it was a, a action-packed day yesterday with Ryan Day, uh, Jordan Fuller, Jonathan Cooper, and uh, K.J. Hill, you know, I want to start with Ryan Day being asked about the quarterback situation. This is no surprise. We gave Bucknutters a heads up that, hey, don't expect him to make a grand proclamation about quarterback. He promised Gunnar Hoke a chance to compete for the job. That's exactly what he said. I don't want listeners, though, Steve, thinking like he's down on Justin Fields. Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback. He Just just don't even worry about it, Bucknutters. He's going to be the starting quarterback. But when asked about it yesterday, Ryan Day said Justin has not won the job, yet he still needs to win the job. And I wouldn't have expected him to say anything less, Mr. Hellwagon. No question, Dave. And I was uh, also expecting uh, that there would not be any kind of an announcement regarding the quarterback position, just for the reason that you said. Uh, one of the questioners, and I think our guy Pat Murphy has the story up on Bucknuts about the quarterback situation. One of the questioners said, well, when you have a guy that's been hyped up like Justin Fields, the number two prospect overall in the country in the 2018 class, went to Georgia, got a little taste of playing time, and now, you know, we all know the story. He's at Ohio State to follow in the footsteps of Dwayne Haskins. And, you know, people regarding him as a, quote, Heisman Trophy candidate or whatever, former number two overall prospect in the country. And Ryan Day kind of tapped the brakes and brought everybody back down to reality here on planet Earth when he said, well, all of that hype and all of that stuff, and I'm paraphrasing here because the coach said it much more eloquently than I could. He said, hey, just win the job at Ohio State first and then we'll take the rest from there as it comes. So I thought that was tremendous common sense from the head coach at Ohio State to say, you know, if if Justin Fields proves to be the best quarterback on their roster, then he will play, and he'll play the lion's share of the plays for the Buckeyes in 2019. I have no doubt about that, but I think that uh, Ryan Day's comment was he needs to earn it first. Nothing wrong with making the young man earn the job. You wouldn't want, like, just for the culture of the team, you wouldn't just want to, like, give him the job. Even now, none of us are stupid. We know that Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback of this football team. But I, I do think Gunnar Hoke can be, like, 
as I've said before many times on the show, like a Kenny Guyton type. Not the same type of, not that they're carbon copy players, but a guy that can be a solid backup quarterback and come in and get the job done. If, say, they're losing a game like Kenny Guyton did against Purdue in that 2012 season, came in and, and kind of saved the day. You wouldn't want Kenny Guyton as your starting quarterback necessarily all season, but uh, you know he, he could come in and, and win a game here and there. I think Gunnar Hook can do the same thing. Uh, moving on, Steve, with some of the highlights from Media Day yesterday and, and some of the things that Ryan Day said that I found really interesting uh, on the offensive line. Yeah, he says there's basically seven guys you know, in the mix for those five spots. Really, uh, six guys for four spots because he said Thayer Mumford's definitely a starter. I think Josh Myers is definitely a starter. Um, I really think Jonah Jackson is definitely a starter, but he stopped short of calling Wyatt Davis a starter. He said right tackle is going to be interesting with you know Brandon Bowen, Nicholas Pettit Ferrer. They also have Josh Alaby who can play. Um, and he said they could, you know, all seven of those guys could play, meaning they could rotate a couple of those guys in there. Um, your thoughts on what he said about the offensive line and just how do you think this offensive line will perform, Steve? Yeah, the two big storylines I came out of today or actually uh, Thursday with was, first of all, that Thayer Munford is healthy, and that's critical that your left tackle is healthy and ready to go. And I had talked to his high school coach, Nate Moore, uh, at the coaching clinic a month or so ago, and he kind of reiterated that, or I guess he was at the camp a few weeks back. And then the other storyline I had was that uh, Jonah Jackson, the transfer from Rutgers, has assimilated to the culture at Ohio State. Uh, Coach Day said that uh, the guys on the offensive line have taken him under their wing and taught him what it means to be an Ohio State player and that it seems like uh, he's done a great job in the weight room with Coach Marotti and his staff. They have sung his praises is what uh, Coach Day said. And to me, he was a linchpin guy on this offensive line two years as a starter. You also have Brandon Bowen who had about a half a season as a starter and was really coming into his own when he suffered his injury and was lost so I think you have the potential there to have a much better offensive line in theory and on the field than you do uh, on paper no question yeah it's going to be interesting the offensive line has to be good for this team to be good they don't have to be great but they they cannot just be average they can't be a weakness they have to be good for this team to be great uh, middle linebacker I'm very intrigued by middle linebacker I asked coach day about that a couple different times once in the main uh, press conference once in the breakout room and you know he's not uh, just like quarterback he's not anointing anybody right now that's a that's a job but this one I think he really doesn't know and I think they might rotate some guys he said rotating some guys much like in 2014 with uh, Raekwon McMillan and Curtis Grant that's in the cards they could do that or if he says one guy separates himself that could be the guy we're talking about it could be tough Borland could be Taraja Mitchell could be Baron Brown, and I still think Baron Browning Steve's more of an outside linebacker or even a guy that can come in and, and rush the quarterback from the edge. But, man, I think Taraja Mitchell has the highest ceiling. I'm kind of – you don't want to root for players, but if you're a Buckeye fan out there, he, he's got the highest ceiling of the middle linebackers. Tough Borland, though, it's going to be tough to unseat him. He was a captain last year. He was coming off of a ruptured Achilles, and he still didn't miss any games. So, you know, he's not going to give that job up easily. Just how do you see it shaking out at middle linebacker? You think they might rotate? Yeah, I think that's a definite possibility because they've got the talent to be able to do that. Uh, it was curious to me that Baron Browning's name wasn't really mentioned in that group. And as you said, maybe they're viewing him uh, now a little bit more as an option at the outside linebacker spot. I think Malik Harrison certainly has all Big Ten potential at one of the outside linebacker spots. 
Uh, Taraja Mitchell is a guy that I, I'm going to have a hard time keeping off the field. So uh, particularly if he's running down plays and making plays in this new defense and he gets in there, you know, let's say Borland starts, but Mitchell comes in and makes some impact plays and some game-changing plays. I'm not sure how they deny him at some point. But, again, I don't have a dog in this hunt. I uh, I would look at it. I would say, again, play the guy who's the most consistent. If you like guys in particular schemes or down or distance, then go with that. But maybe one's better run player, one's a better uh, uh, pass uh, defender. But, again, I think that uh, – it's, it is a good problem to have when you have more than one middle linebacker who can play at a, okay, let's just call it a second or third team, all Big Ten level. They don't necessarily have to be the best. I don't, I don't think anyone's aspiring to be first team all Big Ten out of this group right now, but Mitchell could be that way in a year or two. No question about it. I mean, he could be a, a future NFL you know, I don't want to say first-round pick, but a guy that could be like a second-day pick, you know, second- or third-round guy, uh, much like a Raekwon McMillan. I think Ray, I think uh, Taraja Mitchell has that kind of talent. Uh, and he's more of a thumper than McMillan. He's not maybe the athlete McMillan was, but I think he's a uh, definitely more of a thumper than Raekwon was. And, hey, Raekwon could hit you. He was a second-round pick. Uh, the guy can play. Um, Steve, uh, last thing here. Um, the defense – is confident. They have a chip on their shoulder big time. Talking to Jordan Fuller, talking to Jonathan Cooper, you know, obviously when you talk to Ryan Day and obviously KJ Hill, they're going to talk about the offense mostly. Um, but in the most of the questions are, are about the offense. But you know, listen to Jordan Fuller and Jonathan Cooper. Like I said, I think the biggest takeaways are they are confident. And they have a chip on their shoulder. They are sick of being asked, how come you guys had one of the worst defenses in the country last year? Now, you know, was Ohio State the worst defense in the country? Or, you know, no, but they were 72nd in the country in total defense. That's awful for Ohio State standards out of about 129 FBS teams. So 72nd in the country is ridiculous. I think they're going to be top 20, maybe top 10 this year. And, Steve, I love the attitude of Jonathan Cooper and Jordan Fuller. They just are talking up the new defensive coaches like Jeff Hathley, Greg Madison, Al Washington. They obviously love Larry Johnson. Um, they feel like they're going. To, the silver bullets are going to be back, and man, do they have a chip on their shoulder because of being asked all of these questions about last year. Yeah, that, Dave, that was the impression I got as well, that they're kind of chafing in the fact that people are rubbing last year in their face. And to be very honest, that was the worst Ohio State defense, uh, statistically at least, uh, back to some of those Cooper teams when he first got there. In like 88 or 89, they gave up a bunch of yards. I think last year, uh, the numbers that stick out, I think they gave up close to 26 points a game and 405 yards total offense per game, which I, I want to say one or both of those are record in not in a good way for Ohio State defense. They gave up uh, the two longest plays in the 100. Well, let's see, the 100th year was – 90 when I was there in school and now it's been 29 years later so in the 128 year up to that point history of Ohio State football they gave up the two longest plays uh, for a defense against the offense uh, in that stretch and they occurred believe it or not 15 days apart with uh, Oregon State I think and then uh, TCU so one was a run and one was a pass so these guys were equal opportunity offenders last year <laughs> with how poorly that the whole thing came together very curious and, and we'll be posting some articles uh, with the players as uh, the, the days wear out here in the next few hours next few days but uh, I think it was Bill Rabinowitz from the Columbus Dispatch tried to put Jonathan Cooper on 
the spot about what really happened last year, miscommunication, out of sync, what were the problems. And I think Bill at one point even said it just seemed like uh, there were obstacles in the way of the defensive players from making plays. And uh, Jonathan Cooper kind of took the bait just a little bit. He said, yeah, there were times where I don't know if it was because of the scheme or whatever was called. You know, you have you know personnel in the field. Maybe it didn't fit necessarily. But there were things that kept us from playing up to our full potential. And he didn't want to throw Greg Schiano or anybody else under the bus. But it was obvious that, that there were things last year that just didn't fit. And uh, we all know it. We all saw it. And uh, there's a reason why uh, Coach Day cleaned house on that side of the football. And I believe he was asked in one of his sessions uh, how tough that was to say goodbye to, you know, people that had been instrumental in, in, in largely some success at Ohio State. And he said it's the toughest thing he's had to do since he took over, but it was the right thing to do because they needed to move in a new direction and move in a new direction quickly, and that's what it looks like they're going to do. We're going to move in a new direction and finish up with the media days here on Friday with uh, the other seven teams, and then we're going to get on a plane back to Columbus. And we, we appreciate everyone joining us for this special edition of the Bucknuts Morning 5 here from Chicago. For Steve Hillwagon, I am Dave Biddle. Thanks to all the listeners for tuning in. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Oh.